The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's episode, the adrenal system is an amazing part of our bodies, and it's important to get the proper minerals to supplement our diets and make sure everything works together. Find out how your system works and what you can do to have a healthier body. We've got the latest info, so listen closely. On today's episode, Justin Bernhout is the co-founder and CEO of Jack and Jill Brands, which includes Planet Lux, and that's a range of luxurious, well-designed home and cleaning products that are safe for the planet and its inhabitants. They also have a range of other products, including plastic-free toothbrushes, newborn teething gel, tooth wipes, and electric toothbrushes, a bath time range, natural and safe surface spray, hand washes, hand balms, toilet floor and laundry cleaner, as well as natural hand sanitizers and sunscreen. And we welcome Justin to the Mother's Market Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Good. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Why don't you fill our audience in a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to today's show? Okay, great. Um, I guess guess our our mission has been from the beginning to... um, produce clean uh, products that are, that are, you know, safe for use. Um, in particular, we started off with children, which, which you know, is an, is an obvious um, requirement for no harm and, and as safe as possible. And kids need lots of, you know, products. Um, and it sort of surprised us um, being thrust into parenthood. It, it surprised us that there were still so many i guess gaps in the market for products that would were sort of truly safe um and you know i think at that time especially producing anything um, for consumption i think without considering the ramifications on the environment in terms of packaging and you know everything else involved with delivering a product to an end user um it seemed sort of unthinkable so it it's it's part of our DNA. I love that. And again, you're really thinking of the children and what we're passing on to our, our, our kids because they're going to be running things as we speak. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking about natural alternatives for oral and body care. And so how, Justin, uh, sustainability is crucial for the future of our planet. How, how is sustainability? Yeah, I mean, you know, from the outset, I guess it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's quite self-explanatory. But, you know, with population growth and um, increased consumption and production of goods, our natural resources are really under extreme pressure. And, you know, their consumption and their disposal leaves a legacy. Um, you know, oil is a great example. You know, more people, more machines, more products that depend on it and um, depleted resources, environmental ramifications, not to mention, you know, conflicts. Mm-hmm. True. Let's talk a little bit about non-GMO. Yeah, I guess, you know, for us, we, we, we really prioritise safety over everything. And I guess as organisms of the natural world, humans, we're most likely to be challenged from an immune response perspective by non-natural substances. Um, you know, often the decision also to produce GMO products or inputs for human consumption is really designed to satisfy 
a commercial objective, um, not so much based around an ideal scenario of well-being. So, you know, for us, well-being trumps commercial decisions every time. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I love that. Why all natural? Well, I guess that's related to the last point in a way. Um, we evolved in the natural world and, you know, we, we believe that natural products are potentially better tolerated by our systems. Um, you know, it's as simple as that, really. And it's, talk to me a little bit. You, you kind of mentioned it, but that biodegradable packaging, why it's great for our planet and what does that mean for biodegradable packaging? Yeah. I guess we imagine a world where single-use or disposable products exist fleetingly. You know, they're the things that we use most frequently and in the largest sort of volume. Um, and the global supply chain of those products is, is enormous. Um, if we're talking about toothbrushes um, and their packaging, of course, they're essentially disposable. So the frequency that we change them uh, shouldn't leave a never-ending legacy of landfill or ocean pollutants. You know, packaging really shouldn't last forever. In, in an ideal world, it shouldn't last any longer than a banana peel. So what is it, uh, how do you package it if it's not in plastic? Great question. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a combination of paper, so unbleached, usually craft board paper, um, and what's called... Uh, we. It's called cornstarch or PLA film. It looks like a regular clear plastic blister, like a like a water bottle, mm-hmm. but it's um, it's actually made from corn. Okay. And it's starting to be more prevalent with in food packaging. Um, it hasn't really been adopted into consumer packaged goods in the way that we've been doing it for about ten years. But you know, we hope that it it catches on. Someone we interviewed a little earlier was talking about that biodegradable packaging that when you um, are through with it, that it, you, can plant, you can water your plants with it through that packaging. And I thought that was brilliant, yeah. you know, a way to feed the planet. And, and Absolutely. And that's the type of innovation, you know, we need to think about. I think there's so much focus on what's inside the packet. Yeah. Um, and maybe the packet's considered mostly for aesthetics, mm-hmm. but packaging is never, not often enough, considered for its sort of function. Right. Um, you know, certainly from a waste perspective. But, you know, <laughs> we'd absolutely spend as much time, if not more, mm-hmm. discussing packaging than the product. Yeah. For sure. Oh, I, I bet. And mm. it, there's probably a myriad of, of, you know, the planet is wide and you want to help in all areas. Absolutely, yeah. How, what are the costs like with different packaging? I bet you that's expensive. Yeah. I mean, you know, anything that's, that's new doesn't have the, you know, economic thresholds that make things accessible to a lot of businesses. So the first option is always plastic. It's things that have, that have been established. Right and true yeah. kind of thing, yeah. And, you know, especially in our space with personal care, the biggest companies in the world are literally supplying the globe. Mm. Um, they established the market prices for all of the, you know, inputs associated with packaging. So, you know, traditional plastics, et cetera, are extremely inexpensive. Um, because the systems are there, the supply chain is there, the raw material is there, um, and it's been there for a long time. So we are, you know, probably our biggest challenge is making sure that we've got access to 
the limited, but it's growing um, resources and raw materials to, to produce our packaging, our, our timing. It, it has to be critical. You know, we're always in touch with suppliers as to availability. It's not it's not available on tap. Um, and I guess because of the volume, it's expensive. It's considerably yeah. more expensive. And I think it's that that's often lost on on consumers. Um, you know, we, we could make things in a much less expensive way. Uh, it just it's we need no, to get there. Well, I'd yeah, absolutely. We just need more if you know more businesses on board doing the same thing. So a question for you specifically, because you're from Melbourne, right? You're from Australia. So what is it? And you lived in New York, but the difference between how we view environmentally focused packaging or just companies versus what, how you view that in Australia. Are we behind the eight ball on all of this? I wouldn't say that. I would say, you know, the US is um, an incredibly diverse place. And I think that you've got probably a more diverse set of perspectives on this Mm -hmm. you know i think you've got really hardcore eco people here that are you know as intense as anywhere in the world right and i think you've got a large section of the population that maybe isn't quite aware yet and i think that's probably the biggest difference is you know how do you get 400 meters 400 million people up to speed versus right. 25 million people. It's it's an easier task in Australia. So I would say environmental awareness might be, um, a, you know, more kind of commonplace, but not in, in the, you know, if you're comparing like for like, I would say it's a very similar view. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite interviews and uh, a client is the Zero Waste family, and they have three children, and they have brought them up to be zero waste. Not everybody knows what that is, so I'm going to let you describe and explain what that is, and I think it's very honorable. Yeah, I mean, zero waste, <laughs> I guess, is, is, is a relatively new term, um, and I can see why it, it isn't immediately sort of obvious. But ultimately, um, if we think of you know, what might go into landfill, we, zero waste is anything that doesn't do that. So it might be something, it might be biodegradable, Mm -hmm. it might be recyclable, or it might be a combination of both. Um, But waste really refers to, you know, discarded matter that goes into the, into the ground effectively. Okay. And so, yeah, they, they don't even own a trash can, which I think is, you know, phenomenal. That is a goal. Well, and, you know, case in point, it, it works, you know, if, if one family can do it. Sure. You know, there's really no reason. We just have to break habits. That's and all. that's a really good point, and I think they stress that too, that it's not going to happen overnight, but one thing at a time, and I'm hiding this as I'm talking to you, yeah. <laughs> it's a plastic water bottle. And, we, and so moving forward, you know, I think it's teaching our kids, you know, we're not going to buy plastic uh, water bottles. We're going to – so it's, it's about educating, really. It is, and you know, I, we don't. Um, you know, I guess it's not. We don't. We don't criticize people for using plastic bottles. You know, we're just in a. We're in a, a point in time where we're at the beginning of a transition. Yeah. And it does take a long time. You know, things that are well and truly entrenched in people's lives, like plastic water bottles, for convenience, and they're in distribution around the globe. Um, these these movements need to start at the ground, so that companies that are doing it kind of get the message over time and start shifting, putting money into technology that can deliver a water bottle that's 
biodegradable. It's biodegradable, and yeah. I think I think that's underway. I mean, there's you know lots of examples of the recyclable bottles. Aluminum is you know kind of a trending packaging material right now, and um, and I think for good re- good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's a it's a sign that things are shifting. You know, uh, it makes me think about how we have here, especially in the United States, fast food restaurants that are giving you all the wrong things, right? Mm. But then you pay more. They're starting, you're starting to see some fast food, well, you know, healthy meals that you can get. But it's a lot more expensive, just like what you're talking about. If you want to make good choices. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's out of their, it's out of their kind of lane in a way. So they have to make particular investments and, you know, they have to accommodate expenses maybe that weren't planned for in the decades before you know and i think that's the optimistic approach there are some there are some people that capitalize on on the you know (laughs) the perceived value right um better for you shouldn't be more expensive you know better for you should be it should be a choice it should be at least equal but ideally it should be more accessible yeah yeah i think we need to flip the script on this one Mm. what is um gray water safe i've heard that before what is that so, you know, water is, is a pr- precious commodity all over the world. I mean, you know, I think California's perpetually in, this, in a state of, of drought, really. Um, so I guess more and more homes are recycling water. And what I mean by that, they're recycling the water that they consume in their house. So, um, for example, shower water or washing machine water is often piped into a holding tank and if you're using grey water safe products like soaps or detergents that, to clean the house, that water can be used on the garden or for, you know, mm. outdoor activities. So you're not just putting fresh water from the tap straight onto the garden. So it's, it, you know, and over, over 12 months with a family, showers and, and, and washing, it's an incredible amount of water that can be saved. Okay. And it, not only that, you know, you're not paying for it. You've paid for it already. Right. And now you're recycling. You're getting a that. second use out of it. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. Well, great information. We have to take a quick break, but more in just a moment with Justin Bernhout. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mother's Market podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Jack and Jill CEO, Justin Bernhout. And we're talking about natural alternatives for oral care and uh, body care. So why natural alternatives to fluoride 
that's uh, great for the environment. Can you explain that? Yeah, I guess fluoride is is commonplace in in lots of products, and it's it's mostly related to how we you know how that becomes available for use in products, and a lot of minerals such as fluoride are generally commercially obtained through mining of rocks and i guess you know that that's got to come that comes to an end when it when a resource dries up and and a new area is sought for mining and um i guess if we if we can reduce dependence on things that require mining then we're we're safeguarding the environment you know Mm, interesting what are some tips to become more eco-friendly that's a good one. <clears throat> I mean, I think um, consume less, you know. How, how hard is, is that to do? I mean, I think, again, we have to change our behaviours. We have to ask ourselves, do, do we really need that? Uh, do we really need to buy that for our kids, you know? And I think, um, I think we've got to think about our purchases and, and our acquisitions in terms of the environment in the sense that, you know, what happens to this after I no longer need it or, or I no longer want it, you know? Um, it's usually not something we think about at the, at the point of purchase. Um, but and in addition, I think, you know, reduce water waste. I think that's an easy one. Um, conserve energy wherever you can, you know, switch off lights when you leave a room. Simple things, I think. You know, um, and that's true. Like, really, people don't think about what happens to this packaging when I throw it away. And, and so opening up that conversation... I'm curious to know what your conversations are like with your kids. You know, it's just, they're, they're the future. I mean, I've learned a, a hell of a lot by by observing uh, my kids in this exact space. You know, they they they're um, drawn to so many things that are you know nice and shiny and fun, and sure. you know, I, I don't want to be a killjoy. You know, at some point though, you look at them, and you know, you go through and you clean out toy rooms or kids kids dresses. You find all those little treasures that they were so desperate to have that are made of all sorts of interesting materials. They're, they're no longer interested in them. Mm. And what do you do with them? You know, you, you know that's going into the landfill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we talk about that, absolutely. We, we, really, we really, you know, how, how much do you want this? And, you know, what's going to happen to it? And I think our kids, um, our kids are not going to know a life without awareness of the environment. When I say our kids, I mean kids, kids of this generation. Yeah. I think, you know, they're recycling at home, they're recycling at school, they're, you know, they understand um, biodegradability, they're composting at home. I was just going to ask you about composting because yeah. that seems to be, uh, it's not new, but not every, some people are a little afraid of what does that mean, but oh. you were, you have, you're, you compost. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I would have been the poster child for somebody that was um, scared of composting. Just I mean, because I, of the lack of awareness, or what? Yeah, I mean? kind of thought it was, you know, a bit disgusting, maybe a <laughs> bit smelly, or we're we going to have that on the side of the house or whatever. And <clears throat> you know, I, I complete backflip. I'm the I'm the composter in our house. I'm the one that takes the you know the, the vegetable peels and all th- everything out every day, sometimes twice a day. And um, what you end up producing is a non-smelly, beautiful, rich uh, soil, soil. Yeah. that we replant into veggie gardens and grow things. And um, there's really 
you know, nothing disgusting about it. And uh, one thing that I'm always blown away by is <coughs> the amount of produce that goes in there over months and months and months and you don't have to empty these small bins because they really degrade and, you know, the worms, the worms go crazy. Um, I think it's probably 12 months of a family of four before you let it sit and really do its final kind of turning into dirt. But that's a hell of a lot of waste that would be going into plastic bags, usually into, a, into the trash and then into landfill, and it's not going to decompose properly inside a plastic bag without... That's probably where it's smelly, right there on the, <laughs> on the other yeah. end, right? Yeah, it's a, city there. A, a, a garbage tip sure. is, is smelly. A compost, uh, which, you know, an, a, a well-functioning compost, which is easy to achieve, is certainly not smelly. So um, a couple of other... I, I've heard people are afraid because of possibly rats or rodents uh, being attracted to compost. That's not the case either. I think, you know, you've got to, you, it's got to be working right. So yeah. you've got to have the right balance. So if, if the worms are happy and it's in a good spot and, doing you know, the work. yeah, right. then, the, you know, the, the, there's not a lot of easy access for rats. The, the bins are quite carefully, you know, sealed. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really a setup thing. You set it up according to the instructions. It's pretty easy and you know, we, d we don't have that issue. Yeah. No, that's good. I just, it's nice to hear that you were on the other side and now you're a believer and you are Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I that. think you're more likely to have rats, you know, where you don't um, have a dedicated place for things like in a compost. You know, regular trash is, it's, it's messy, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's imprecise. Right. Um, or even, you know, even areas in the house that, you know, may have ha had food residue or something, you know, that's, that's, that's what a rat's interested in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for, I know, I'm just listening to, you know, some of the people's uh, nerves about starting to compost, and yeah. I've, I've heard that. Um, so keeping up with the Joneses, you know, that's a term we say when we're looking at our neighbors going, I want that American lifestyle. How do we change that mindset? <sighs> I mean, I think a lot of people on our, are on autopilot. You know, we grow up and we observe um, people in real life. We observe people on screen and we kind of follow these patterns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think we can, you know, stop and pause and question, you know, what, what the Joneses are doing and, and, and whether there's a different way. Um, and I think there's so much information now out there about all sorts of, you know, functions around the house or, you know, ma maintaining a house or, or living your life that it's, you don't have to look far to get inspiration about changing those patterns. Yeah. Um, you know, I think also think about, um, you know, mobility. I think a lot of people get really settled in their homes and they get a good time to uh, increase your awareness of, of what that means is if you, if you ever decide to move. And then you've got to undo all sorts of things. And then you're, you know, you're trawling through things that you kind of wish you didn't have to or that you didn't have anymore. And, um, and I think it can create a real awareness that we just don't need as much stuff, Yeah. you know. And I think it's difficult. I think we're all, it's a battle. Right. Because it's just, it's so easy to consume, you know. There's, there's stores everywhere <laughs> online these days. I mean, it's, it's the barriers to consumption are, are few. And, you know, the, the enticement is incessant, you know, advertising mm. everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would just say, 
use what you need. Yeah, and less is more. Mm. That's true. Um, talk about some tips to becoming more zero waste. I think um, it's really a simple one. Avoid anything that can't be recycled or composted. You know, they're the things that you that are keepers. You're, you're either going to keep them or the planet's going to keep them somewhere. I like that you posed the question, where is this going to go after I'm done with it, when I don't need it any longer? Yeah. And that's, you know, anybody can think about that, whether you're young or old. Uh, but that's not a question that we typically think about. No, we just think about how quickly we can get it. Yeah, exactly. That impulse and uh, online, you know, I know this, the Zero Waste family, they had around the holidays, they had a kind of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they said, we're not going to, we're going to give ourselves a 10 day window to say, do we want this or not? So they put boundaries around the, the kids yeah. and said, time out, let's have a chat about this with the family. And everybody opened up that conversation. Why do we need it? And how bad do we need it? Yeah. And I've, I've done a, a, a similar thing, I guess, you know, when my kids have been really hot for something, you know, like I said, you know, I, without being a killjoy, we discuss that feeling at that time. Mm -hmm. They want this, they want this, they want this. And then it might be a couple of weeks later and that item is sort of laying around and it's not as, it's not, it doesn't have as much focus, let's say. And we bring it up again. I, I was say, just going to say, do you ask him, remember this item? Remember this? It was a couple of weeks ago. And now, you know, they couldn't put it down for the first three days. Yeah. And then two weeks later, it's kind of gone. So we, we definitely, yeah, I, I try to highlight that without being a bore, but... Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I think it's, I think it, it, it hits home. It sure does. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Let's talk about pH balancing oral care. And is it great for fighting cavities? Absolutely. <clears throat> um, cavities essentially are a result. Everybody, everybody's familiar with plaque. Plaque is, you know, builds up normally and is, is not, not a problem. Uh, Generally speaking, it's a normal function of, of, our, of our bodies. Um, it's usually in relation to consumption of carbohydrates. They stick and they form this, this you know, thick, strong um, plaque. Um, but what does happen is bacteria in the mouth, which is normally there and, and is, is present in, in healthy people, it gets trapped in that plaque. And then when it's trapped, it thrives on sweet, sugary foods especially. And as it thrives, it metabolizes that for energy. One of its metabolites is acid. And the acid is perfectly positioned right there on the plaque to have its effect on enamel. The enamel erodes away and you have a cavity. So pH is a, you know, is a sort of a chemistry term to describe how much acid or the opposite, which is base or, or alkaline, is present somewhere. And um, a low pH is an acidic environment and a high pH is an alkaline environment. Now a high pH is as corrosive as a low pH. People often think acid's the only corrosive thing, but somewhere in the middle, um, which is neutral, is what makes the acid sort of, it neutralizes the acid from plaque. So absolutely pH balancing in the mouth is essential for reducing the chance of cavities. And so you have a product that offers that. Absolutely. So, you know, I think first of all, it's, it's, it comes down to formulation. You know, um, the formulation of liquids 
one of their characteristics is their pH profile. So again, it's maybe a bit technical, but from a, a analysis point of view, you know, liquids exhibit all sorts of properties. And one of the things we're very conscious of is pH. For that reason, if something's going in the mouth, we don't want it to be acidic. You know, there are plenty of cola soft drinks out in the world. Not only do they have a lot of sugar, even the ones that don't have sugar, um, they're extremely low pH. So they're going in and they themselves are causing erosion of enamel. We don't even need the bacteria to, to help with that. So I guess in a sense that certain things we put in our body aren't considered with respect to pH. Of course, anything to do with oral care, it's, it's the first protocol. We've got to get that right. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about some of your cleaning, your home cleaning products. So again, you know, the theory is, you know, less is more. Um, and, you know, I think cleaning products over the, over the years have become sort of so efficient and so effective that they kind of kill everything. And what that means is if, if, if a chemical can kill a bacterial cell, bacterial cells are quite similar to human cells. So it's pretty, it's pretty harsh on, you know, the skin or if you, you breathe in a fume. So over time, if you're cleaning a house or you're wiping down a bench with chlorine and there's a family of four living there years, that's a lot of exposure to heavy-duty chemicals. And <clears throat> I think that um, I think in some cases it's like killing an ant with a sledgehammer. There are things that you don't need, you know, nuclear biopower for. Um, and the frequency of their use, I think, can be reduced. So we rely on things like natural surfactants, which are, you know, basically detergents, but they're, they're extracted from plants that have, you know, known detergent properties to cut through grease, um, to clean, which is, you know, one of, the, one of the challenges with cleaning a kitchen, for example, is, you know, we need to clean grease. Um, we use essential oils, you know, so many essential oils have got great um, antibacterial, mild antibacterial properties, but effective enough for, you know, the task at hand. Um, and I think at the same time, they smell great, you know, and, and I think we're all really conscious of what, you know, sort of sensory input can do to our feeling of well-being, you know, around the home. We all know what it's like to go into an airport toilet and smell it and <laughs> you want to get out of there yeah. you would never want that in your home no you wouldn't but it's you know i look at those extremes because that's you know how do you deal with thousands of people yeah their solution is to just hit it with the nuclear bomb you know that's what we've got to do and we do it a few times a day so as a result i mean you know you don't have to you don't have to under understand anything about science you just have to step in there and go i need to get out of here mm -hmm. it smells wrong <laughs> right. Well, I like your analogy, killing an ant with a sledgehammer. That yeah. is so very true. <laughs> so you kind of lead me right to my next question, to sensory input. What about synthetic fragrances and are they harmful? I mean, I think synthetic fragrances are really clever for what, you know, from a scientific point of view because, they, you know, they can, they can really sort of mimic, mimic certain smells and, um, and, and they do it very effectively and, and very convincingly. I think the issue you know, comes back to the fact that we many people exhibit allergic reactions to these things. Yeah. 
And, you know, why do they do it? Well, various reasons. But the obvious standout to me is that something produced in a lab that goes onto your skin. Skin is incredibly absorbent. Um, we just... We evolved in the natural world. So our bodies, the food that we eat, the things that we're, our skin is exposed to, we, we have a tendency to be able to uh, deal with those, to process them, to uh, you know, reject them, to, d- to deter them in a sort of a harmonious way. A synthetic chemical, you know, that has the potential to kind of throw our systems out of whack. Our body doesn't know what it's being exposed to. And, you know, our immune system can, you know, freak out. It can be mild, it can be severe. And, you know, for me, I just think I'm not interested in the risk. I'm not interested in the risk to my kids. I'm not interested in the risk to, you know, myself. I just prefer to go with something that I'm confident is, is, you know, harmonious with with the body. Right. It's it's, uh, knowledge is everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's not a very sophisticated approach. It's really it's less is more. It's it's quite simple, mm-hmm. and it, you know it's really quite obvious when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Great advice and pause for thought as well. We look forward to having you on, though. In the meantime, you can get more information. The website is Wellbeing Island, WellbeingIsland.com, and we look forward to your next visit. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to learn more health information, check out mothersmarket.com. Get delicious recipes and health guidelines to keep your body in great shape. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market podcast and for shopping at Mother's Market. Advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.